listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Continue our series tonight on talking about having a marriage that goes the distance. The importance of going the distance. I'm going to say this first and foremost. Having a marriage that goes the distance is not always easy. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be things that we're going to have to work through. But let, let me remind you of this, and that is this. It's not impossible. So don't look and say, well, it's not going to be easy, and then just automatically assume it's not going to happen. It is going to happen, but you've got to want to make it happen. You've got to work at it. You've got to do your part. And you've got to realize that a marriage that goes the distance is what God has designed, what God has planned, what God has purposed for you and your spouse. On Sunday, we used the illustration with my jar here. I mean, we had placed four rocks in there and we asked the question, was it full? And we realized it wasn't completely full as we filled it up with sand. Then we asked again, now is it full? And we realized it still wasn't full as we filled it to the top with water. And we asked the question, I wonder what may be the moral of this story? Most people would say, well, that's great. I can pack a lot more things into my life than perhaps I thought I could. That's not the moral. But what the moral is, and we discovered on Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit more about tonight, is no matter how hard you try to squeeze in the big rocks, you're not going to be able to squeeze them in unless you put them in first. Let me say that again. No matter how hard you try, You'll never be able to squeeze in the big rocks unless you place them in first. For a marriage to go the distance, it first requires the right rocks to be put in place. And then we build our relationship around it. On Sunday, we looked at the first rock, which is the number one priority of our lives. And that has to be God. God has to be the first rock. The Bible says, seek ye first, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? And all things will be added unto you. First rock has to be God. Non-negotiable. Very important. We looked at the second rock and we discovered that the second rock is our spouse. But when we're looking at the rock of our spouse, we've also got to guard ourselves against the good things, the bad things we hopefully are aware of, those things that will destroy our marriage. But we've got to watch for the good things too, good things like being friendship, like being our children, like being our church, like being our work, employment. They're all good things and important things. 
but they should never take the priority over first God and then secondly, your spouse. Third rock that we looked at, which is pretty important to have in your marriages, we want some passion. Come on, we want some passion. And we talked not only about passion, but we talked about pursuing passion, how to keep it fresh and how to keep it alive. If there's no romance, if there's no pursuit, if there's no thoughtfulness, if there's no love, if there's no affection, passion will die. Passion in your marriage is likely to fizzle out unless you actively and intentionally nurture it. So we talked about that and those rocks. I want to talk about a fourth rock tonight. And the fourth rock I want to talk about is the rock of what? Intimacy. I want to talk about intimacy in a marriage and the importance of placing it there. Once upon a time at the beginning of this world, intimacy just happened. Unfortunately, it's not so often the case now as we have to work on creating or building a level of intimacy in our marriage. But in the beginning, when Adam and Eve walked on this earth, there was no shame and therefore there was no lack of intimacy. Look what it says in Genesis 2 verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. There was an intimacy, there was a closeness there because there was no shame. They were able to open up completely to each other, sharing true intimacy because they had complete innocence. One of the saddest things I think we can look around us and say today is this, the age of innocence has almost gone. It's very sad to hear that. But Adam and Eve lived in a time they had no guilt, there was no past, there was no shame, there was no fear of them being caught or something discovered. There was such innocence and as a result of that innocence and purity, there was such intimacy. Think about if we had that level of intimacy now in our marriage, that we didn't have to look at each other hiding behind our masks. And that's the level of intimacy that God originally designed for us, open intimacy. And I believe that's the level of intimacy, listen to me, that God still demands and requires of each one of us. I think we need to promise ourselves this, whether it's in our marriage or in our marriage that's going to be in the future, that we need to promise ourselves this, I will do everything possible to deepen the intimacy between me and my spouse not encouraging them to be more intimate, but I will do everything that I can to deepen the intimacy. Someone once said this of the word intimacy as they broke it down. They said the word intimacy means this, into me, come and see. Intimacy, into me, come and see. When you start thinking about openness like that, that's scary for many people. Many people are scared to open themselves up in that regard. Why? Because most of us have got good at just showing forth and showing to people that which we want them to see. Hiding areas, masking areas, holding back. And I want to quickly talk tonight on three things that will kill intimacy in your marriage and in your relationship and hinder you 
and your spouse from going all the way which God wants. The main killer of intimacy is sin. Sin. Above everything else, it will lead to disappointment and shame and will destroy our love, security and intimacy. Listen to me, sin will destroy any relationship. If you don't believe me, put it to the test. If you've sinned against another person, if you've lied, if you've cheated, if you've done them wrong or against God, you know what happens to that relationship? As much as you want it still to be the same, it's never going to be the same. Because when you see that person, there's a guilt feeling or something's happened. And you know what happens in that relationship? One day you can be the best friends, but because of sin, that relationship will begin to wither. The relationship will be affected. Why? Because sin only leads to hurt. Sin will lead to brokenness and it results in shame, which will destroy intimacy. Listen to this principle. Take this down if you're taking notes. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. But where intimacy lives, sin dies. Let me say those two again. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. But where intimacy lives, sin dies. And that is so true because the closest you are to someone, the more you fall in love with someone, whether it's a person here on this earth or falling in love with God, the more you are in love with that person, guess what? The further you want to run away from anything that will ever disappoint them or ever hurt them. You see, in a relationship where sin is dying, transparency vulnerability and intimacy will emerge naturally. God wants us to be fully open with each other. God wants us to be truthful. But you know what? Satan wants our marriages to be filled with dirt. He wants us to hide things. He wants us to lie. What does the Bible say in John 10 verse 10? The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Not nice. He wants to destroy that intimacy, that connection, that involvement in the home. And he'll use sin to do it. But that's not the end of the story, is it? There's a choice. We can be stolen from. We can have life taken. There can be destruction. But God says, hold on a second. I've come to give you something different. God said, I've come that you can have life. That you can have intimacy. No matter the hurts, the mistakes, the disappointments. Whether one has blown it big time, I can tell you right now, your marriage, that couple can still overcome sin and regain intimacy. In the study that we did a couple of months ago on weird because normal isn't working, there was a statement that Craig Rochelle made in that book that I want to read tonight. And it says this, when a person commits adultery, There is biblical grounds for a divorce. Everyone agree with that? The Bible says that. But he goes on to say, don't ever forget, adultery is also biblical grounds for forgiveness, healing, and restoration. What God makes new is oftentimes so much better than anything that you ever could have imagined before.
You maybe have blown it and you maybe look and say, there's no hope. I'm telling you right now, in God, through God, there can be a newness of intimacy that can be injected into your relationship. Where sin dies, intimacy thrives. If we turn away from those things, intimacy can, can thrive. I love this. I, I read this saying today. Listen to this. God is not just the saviour of people, but he's also the assassin of sin. Isn't that cool? He's not just a saviour. He's the assassin. He can take away that sin. He can set us free. He can break that curse, that stronghold that sin wants to put over us. But you know what we tend to do in relationships many times? We make excuse for sin. Have you ever made an excuse for sin? We all have. We can belittle sin when we look at our spouse and we can say, well, it's not really as bad as that because we're belittling it because we don't want that to affect our relationship. You know what else we've got good at doing in our relationships? Turning a blind eye to it. You know, some have even got good at participating in sin together and sinning together. And you know what we've convinced ourselves, whether we turn a blind eye to it, whether we excuse it, whether we belittle it, whether we participate in it together, you know what we have told ourselves? We are by no way hurting each other. But you know what the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 7? It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, whether his wife's permission, whether she's turned a blind eye or vice versa, the Bible says whatever a man has sown, he's going to reap the rewards of that. He's going to reap it. Maybe today you know your spouse is involved in a kind of sin. Maybe there's cheating on your tax form. Maybe there's exaggerating with business expenses. Maybe you know he's been dishonest and handling affairs in the wrong way. Maybe you know he's involved in pornography or she is. Maybe they're lying. Whatever it may be, we can know these things. But guess what? You know it's wrong. But in your silence, you know what you are really doing? You're condoning what they are doing. You've got to realize this. Don't be deceived, the Bible says. Sin costs. And sin is a high price. Any excused, overlooked sin can cost you your marriage. Look what it says in Numbers 32 and verse 23. I mean, it's very clear. What does it say? Be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. So the number one and perhaps the greatest destroyer of intimacy in any relationship is where sin comes in. Because sin will drive a wedge between you and your spouse. Come on, let's make it right. Let's get sin out of the way. Because where sin dies, intimacy thrives. The second enemy tonight is the enemy of secrets. Keeping secrets. We discovered that sin is obviously the root problem. But then we take the secrets, or the secrets are like the layers of an unhealthy self-defense that attempts to hide the sin. Secrets are a fear-imposed strategy to put up a false front, imagining it will make us safe. But the truth is, secrets create extreme vulnerability. Secrets will destroy any marriage. Secrets will destroy any real 
intimacy. And as I said, just like sin, they will drive a wedge. Too many people today are too secretive in their relationships. And they think, well, it's not affecting my relationship, but that's something that you're never fully going to release. And therefore, you know what? It's going to be a wall. It's going to be a hindrance to your marriage and to your future. Let me give you the last one tonight. The last enemy is the enemy of silence. The enemy of silence, which means being unable to have effective and meaningful communication, which will result in emotional distance. It's funny if you were to ask most dating couples, those who are dating, if you were to ask them what is probably your greatest strength in your relationship, you know what they would probably say to you? That we can talk and talk and talk for hours and hours and hours. Come on, who used to go to sleep with a cell phone on your pillow? I know that rules out half of the people in here because you didn't have cell phones when you were dating. But you go to sleep with that cell phone on your pillow, just whispering nothings, and you would just go to sleep. I mean, for hours and hours and hours. I remember one night, Kelly and I talked on the phone for eight hours. I mean, that is crazy. I know half of you in here probably beat me on that one, which is great. You know, but it's funny. You ask most dating couples their secret, and they all the greatest strength is, man, we can talk and talk for hours. But you know what? If you would go to married couples... And you would ask them, what is the thing that you would like to most improve in your relationship? You know what most of them would say? Communication. Communication. In their marriage, they now have a hard time of talking. It's crazy. When we were dating, we talked for hours. We get married, now we've got nothing almost to say. In your marriage, you've got to realize that quality... And quantity time doesn't not naturally happen. Let me say that one more time. Quality and quantity time doesn't naturally happen. Why? Because life happens. When we get married, life happens. Kids come along. Life happens. There's more bills. There's more debt. There's more responsibilities. There's greater commitment. Life happens. And you know what? As life happens, our conversation gets drowned further and further And further out by the louder distractions that we allow to come into our life. Listen to this quote from the book Love, Sex and Happily After. It says this, Just as a person without oxygen cannot breathe, a couple without communication cannot thrive. Waning conversation will puncture our love tank and intimacy will slowly or quickly begin to leak out. Silence. You know, communication is not just words, though, is it? Communication also involves or includes action. It includes tones. Come on, guys. How many of you ever had your wife say to you, stop shouting at me, and you haven't even lifted your voice, and you say, I'm not shouting. They say, oh, yes, but your tone of voice is different. Come on, anyone ever been accused of the tone? Come on, give me it. Give it to me. Steve-o, thank you. Come on. So communication involves your actions. It involves your tones. Are you ready for it? It involves your facial expressions. And it also involves your body language. If you're not looking at a lady when she's talking, she doesn't think you're listening. 
A lady wants not only your two ears, she wants your two eyes. She wants you to be looking at her. So there's action, there's tone, there's expression, facial expression, and there's body language. If you include all of these modes of communication in your marriage, can I tell you it's going to begin to boost your intimacy, your togetherness, your closeness. But if you don't, if you ignore those things and those needs, intimacy is going to die. And probably not long after that, your relationship, your marriage is probably going to come to a crashing halt. Great communication takes hard work. There are no shortcuts. But listen to this. The things that usually come naturally before marriage are often the things that require the most dedication within your marriage. So God wants us first and foremost that he would be first. That's an important rock and a priority. We can't live without that and go the distance in our marriages. God has to be first. Our spouse has to be second. No higher and definitely no lower. Second is our spouse. Then we've got the rock of passion, pursuing passion, living with passion, going after passion. And then we've got a rock of intimacy that will build our relationship. We've got to have these, but in order to have intimacy, we've got to get rid of sin, we've got to get rid of secrets, and we've got to get rid of silence. Because those things will kill any chance of intimacy that we can ever have in our marriages. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.